0: All right, back with another edition of Bully Ball. I am Jason Aponte, joined as always by Steph Sanchez. Steph, I feel like I haven't talked to you forever. How are you?
1: I'm good. I missed you, man. I, I mean, last week I had to go live with Rob. Don't do that to me.
0: Again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Rob, Rob Guerrero catches strays, I love Rob. Catches strays right out of the <laughs> bat right here. But, uh, no, it's it's really good to talk with you. You know, we've uh, had some time off to digest, uh, you know, an, an amazing, amazing Super Bowl. Um... I guess that's where we should start, right? Let's talk about that game uh, and its outcome. Because I've got thoughts about the way that the 49ers have handled it after the NFC Championship game. Now I have thoughts about the way the Eagles have handled it. But I'm going to start with you, Steph. What did you think of the game? And what have you thought about the subsequent fallout from the Philadelphia Eagles players?
1: Uh, Okay, I only watched like a quarter of the game because I wasn't even planning on watching it. Cause between me and my girlfriend, like my girlfriend's a Broncos fan, so she hates the Chiefs. Um and for this one, I wanted the Chiefs to win because I wanted the Eagles to lose, right? So no matter how you spin it, like this was just a terrible matchup for the both of us. Um so I, I was like, I'm not gonna watch it. Um I did tune in for Rihanna, oh, yeah. of course. Oh, yeah. That was that was great. Um, but I do admit that after in the fourth quarter, when it was a tie game. Uh, I was like, okay, I'm, I I got to watch. <laughs> so I, I, I turned turned it on just for that. So I saw the hold and yes, it was a hold. Uh, I saw all of that unfold. So I, I thought it was interesting though. I was like, wow, like the Eagles season ended on a what if as well, that's, that's crazy. So I wanted to see how their fans reacted to that. And so far, not too well.
0: Yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, hey, take your L and move on. And I mean, look, let's just say this. It's Wednesday, right? That's been a message that, that many Eagles fans and players have been giving out is just take the L and move on. I still think they're in their grace period right now after Sunday. I mean, they're going to have a bit longer grace period because now this is the last game of the offseason. I still think they're in their grace period right now to be, I guess, you know, sad about it and everything. But what I wanted to point out about the call was it was the correct call. I don't think anybody has a problem with the call my biggest issue was and i watched this game from beginning to end and oh man i was captivated what a game um there was a third and nine call that was not called and it was far more egregious than the actual call that was at the end of the game so i'm not telling you that you can't make that call i think we all can agree that that was the right call i just think we were disappointed that the game ended in that fashion and jalen hurts didn't get one more chance to touch the ball Just for the average NFL fan, it would have been cooler to see that. So I want to make this clear. That was the correct call. But I do believe that if you're going to call it there, you have to call it everywhere, right? It's almost like they had a mentality earlier on in this game about, let them play because there was no defensive holding or play, uh, pass interference at all. So if it's going to be let it play, let them play, then let them play. Right. Especially at the end, even if it was the right call. So I don't even really know what I'm saying here at this point. I think it's more just they missed a, a far more egregious call before. And it, I thought they were setting the precedent of they were going to let the guys play a little bit more. And then to have it come down to that. I wasn't mad at the call. I was just mad that Jalen Hurts and the Eagles didn't get a chance to at least try to go down for the game time field goal.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fair, and that's been the issue with officiating like all season, right? That it's not consistent. And Roger Goodell telling us the officiating has never been better just feels like a slap in the face uh. <laughs> uh, because we know we know that's that's not the case. There's so much inconsistency, and there's so much uh, how do you say it subjectivity. Yeah, is that the this human error subjectivity in the rules um that but but it's the way the rules are written that make it like up to each ref to to make that call Mm -hmm. right it's not a black and white uh kind of rule the way some of these are written like the the catch rule Mm -hmm. and you know very subjective um so that that is what makes it very inconsistent in in how things are called and and i'm with you there that like yeah if they were letting them play you know let them play all the way through don't don't do it when the game is on the line i I agree with that
0: yeah and it's funny because you bring up the catch it's so funny i you know watching a game like that the biggest game with uh with people because you know we have a job to do stuff like if if you're not at the game we're at home we have to we have to go on right after the game do our post game you know uh give our thoughts for the rest of the week so we're kind of working on 49 ers game day. Um, We haven't had a week off besides the bye week, right? Because we've been working. And then, you know, you think about the NFC title game. But watching the game with a bunch of other fans, it's so funny to, like, for the first time, get other fans' perspective of, like, what is a catch and what's not. So there were two instances in this game uh, that were disputed catches. And we're, we're yelling back and forth at each other about what we think the catch is. And everyone's saying the first one with Devonta Smith is a catch. And I said, no, the ball hit the ground. And I also said... It's less about what you think the catch is and do you have enough to overturn it? So we were having a little fun. I went two for two. Devonta Smith's catch was incomplete. Must be nice. And then the second one, which was the Dallas Goddard catch, um, he got two feet in and they were more on the side of that not being a catch when I thought it was clearly a catch. So I I agree with you, Steph. Like, I do think that because it's black and white, because of the interpretation of the rules, you know, many refs can have it different ways. um, I do want to say that Roger Goodell's quote about officiating being at his best was the laugh of media week. It was a laugh of media week in Arizona. I mean, everyone was making jokes about that. So, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty funny that he he might believe that, but he said it. And-, and that's really probably the worst part about it.
1: Well, Jay, yeah, you mentioned you were at media week. Um, you were in the trenches getting to interview players. I want to be like you when i grow up i've decided uh, but how how was that experience for you uh you know just that's probably like the biggest uh, biggest stage that you could be on in your career right being a cover being able to cover a super bowl it's pretty cool
0: man uh you know something that you you dream of as a kid you know you always wanted to do this in some sort of media fashion walking past people that you watched as a child like on SportsCenter, and I'm not trying to date these people like Kenny Main and, and Trey Wingo, guys that like I used to watch on Sports Center. Um, being able to see Ian Rappaport and say, Hey, I remember you from the combine, probably the greatest throw. You know, being able to speak with these players up front. Got my jerk from the Jerick McKinnon from the Wildcat quote, by the way, which was yeah, peak peak that. fire content right there. And if you guys haven't checked that out, you should check out it on my Twitter. But it was amazing. Um, you know, the the thing is, and this is how we'll tie it back to the 49ers was we went to various days of media availability and as much as I want the 49ers to stop talking about the NFC title game every single time that they were asked that, any, that they were asked to do a show they were asked about it and the same goes for the oh, yeah. Eagles on opening night literally Darius Slay at his podium was asked about what Brandon Ayuk said on uh, on Brad's podcast so my gripe isn't necessarily what the 49ers talking about it as much it's just can we start to give some more diplomatic answers at this point right the whole oh you know this guy's trash or oh you know we were gonna do this this and this dude it doesn't matter what you were gonna do i i was gonna throw out the garbage but guess what my wife threw it out but I threw it out after me and she's upset at me now but i told her i was gonna do it I, it doesn't matter at this point right so what i wanted was i know that they're not bringing it up out of nowhere But they were the talk of the entire opening night through the week with the Eagles and when they had their own their own appearances. So for me, I just Mm -hmm. I wanted them to stop giving those type of answers because it does feel like Mm -hmm. sour grapes. It does feel like sore loser stuff. And it's just the game didn't play out the way you thought it would. So it doesn't matter what you thought it would play out. It only matters what is.
1: Uh, I didn't really have too much of a problem with them, you know, saying things because of the fact that like they were being asked these questions. And I can imagine any like, after a certain number of times you you're asked the same question, a little more is going to come out because you're going to get a little more so that people are like still talking about it you know what i mean the one that really pissed me off was robbie gold
0: uh-huh go off
1: who who wants to know what robbie gold uh thought about this game i mean i don't know i i would have never thought to ask him his thoughts and and certainly wouldn't take too much of his thoughts on jalen hurts i mean he was completely wrong by the way saying that uh just just force jalen to play quarterback and you'll and be okay he, Jalen Hurts looked great in, in the Super Bowl, from what I've heard, from what I've seen. So I, I think that's just absolutely ridiculous. But uh, so that one bothered me. That one bothered me the most. Uh <laughs> but I think uh all the other comments I was fine with. Um, because it, it kind of like what Debo tweeted out later, it's like, what do you want us to say? That we didn't think we were gonna win, that we thought they were gonna win? Like, come on. So I, you know, I get it. It's part of their this is all they have. All, all they have are these words, you know what I mean? Like, and, cause this, this was a big game for them. And, and for it to go down that way, I think this is how they're showing that how much it hurt for them to, to lose in that fashion. So it's okay. I, I think, you know, just get it all out. Uh, there are better days to come. You're going to play the Eagles next season. You're going to play that uh, defensive coordinator now head coach of the Cardinals uh, twice a year, so there you go. There's your chances to to uh, put those words to the field.
0: Kickers should be like children at an adult dinner party. Seen, not heard. Robbie Gold, any kicker, any of you, I don't give a damn what you have to say about actual position players who actually play football. I am sorry. And for you to miss the mark that badly about, well, just, you know, why the hell, Robbie Gold Defensive coordinator on the way. I guess he's replacing D'Amico Ryan's right here. He's got the magic formula. Just make Jalen Hurts play quarterback. Oh yeah, he was dominant. He made he fumbled the ball one time because that four the the field was piss poor. Um yeah, sorry Robbie Gold. <laughs> you knew this was coming. Kickers seen not heard. Official stance. i just I I can't believe it's like it's like Drake said backups talking like starters I can't believe it like why how <laughs> what why do you get the where do you get the nerve to talk about a guy who was in the MvP race when you kick footballs man tell me
1: yeah, I'd rather hear us talk about football than than kickers,
0: man. Right. We don't even kick footballs, right? And and someone could say the same thing about us, right, at the same time. But I think we have a far better, a far greater respect for Jalen Hurts than than what Robbie Gould does. And I, I just, the disrespect is insane, man. I couldn't believe it when I read it. He set himself up. Yeah, I just looked at it and I said, you know what? Not today. I'm not even going to write about this. I don't even want to talk about it. But, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, I mean, look. Media week was awesome, man. Just added, adding another thing to the resume, um, you know, got a chance to talk with uh, Trey Sermon, who had a lot of glowing things to say about Trey Lance and said that the two the two players that were trash talking him the most before the game were Fred and Trey. Um, he said it was really cool to see those guys um, at that game as well, too. Uh, Jerick McKinnon, he, he talked about that wildcat play. I tried to put it all the way back to like 49ers stuff because they were being asked 49ers stuff the entire time. The Chiefs, not so much the Eagles. Um, I did get a chance to talk with Travis Kelsey. Tried to goat him into ranking four tight ends. He didn't go for it. He's much too uh, media savvy and, and didn't go for it. Uh, but he gave love to tight ends all over the place. But yeah, an amazing time. Uh, I would say the biggest highlight was meeting Michael Vick. Um, that was, that's like over the top, man. I couldn't believe it. Like I was trying not to be a fan, but it's hard not to, um, being able to talk with Jay Glazer and ask him about what his experience was like being on the league and him telling me that the league is basically an unscripted show. And those guys just do whatever, like Kirby enthusiasm. I thought that was great. Um, but yeah, just so many memories and, uh, can't wait to do it again in Vegas next year. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And and then the game lived up to the hype as well too. So that was really awesome. So let's tie it back to the 49ers stuff. There's a big day coming up, and it is February 22nd, right? It's the day of Brock Purdy's surgery, right? Six months timetable is the most optimistic outcome, right? The, The timeline. And that's perfect world scenario, right? Well, Steph, you and I know we don't live in a perfect world. But 822 puts him online for the third preseason game, which would mean that's the dress rehearsal right before the regular season. So it sounds to me, Steph, like, it's going to be Trey Lance and a veteran. And who that veteran is, the 49ers will have their pick. Who that veteran is, is going to be up to who Kyle Shanahan likes, what he looks in a quarterback, which I think we need to have a deeper conversation later on this offseason about, because I have questions sometimes with the way he evaluates quarterbacks and what he thinks. But it sounds like an Andy Dalton, Jacoby Brissett type deal, right? Like somebody like that who can be there, who can spot start somebody that you don't want to see over and over, right? You know, because. Obviously not a recipe for winning, but it does sound like it's going to be Trey right off the bat. But let's stick with Brock. Six months puts him on for August 22nd. Steph, are we being overly optimistic with this perfect world scenario?
1: I don't think it's overly optimistic. I mean, I think you got to go with whatever the doctors or, you know, the professionals say the timeline is going to be. And if that's what they're going to say, then, you know, that's that's what we should go by now if after the surgery that timeline for any reason changes like for example if he does have if the surgeon opens him up and and sees that oh no we need to do reconstruction then okay now we could have the conversation of this is going to be a year uh 12 month uh timeline and you know then we'd have to pay attention to whatever they say after the surgery happens so any there's a lot of outcomes or different outcomes that that can take place but as of right now I think the six month timeline is the only one we should you know try to pay attention to the good thing is that he will currently as we know he will be able to start throwing after three months right so it won't just be like six months okay now now start throwing um he will get to ramp up a little before then so that kind of makes me feel better it's not like august twenty second okay like go try to throw a football um but you know there are some concerns that, as to like how this is so close to the beginning of the season, especially because there's a lot of pressure i feel like to make Brock Purdy the starting quarterback i mean you, some of these quotes coming out um of an anonymous uh forty nineers saying the locker room would be off if Brock Purdy is not the starter i I had an issue with with players thinking that or, or even saying that because so much can happen between, you know, now and then you, you don't know, what if Brock Purdy is not the same quarterback? What if his arm is not the same, at least right away, right? We can't assume that he's going to be the exact same, uh, you know, guy being able to throw the exact same way. So I don't know. I have issues with uh with saying some things like that because it's such a fluid um situation as we've seen, and things can happen. I mean, injuries happen. Uh, you know all, all sorts of things so I think you know Trey Lance he he has a great opportunity to you know prove himself and and based on some of the things I heard Trey Lance say and in, in some of the interviews on Media Road Super Bowl week like he has a great head on his shoulders and he knows what's up he knows what he has to do it doesn't sound like he's feeling sorry for himself which I you know I was saying like Trey he he doesn't he needs to not feel sorry for himself because if he does like he's already behind the eight ball um on in this situation and so i'm i'm glad to to hear some of the things that he said he he sounds very confident in himself and also just ready to take on that challenge of you know proving that he can be that guy so i for one i'm i'm happy for him he is going to get a real opportunity and that's really all that he wants so you know May the best man win at the end of the day. We, we don't have any agenda here. We don't care which one of these guys starts over the other. You know, we just want the best quarterback to start for our favorite football team.
0: You know, you hear George Kittle say, it's Brock's job to, to lose, um, that sort of stuff. I, I do want to go on like a little mini rant here. Just And, you know, I said I was going to talk about a little bit more in the offseason, but I just feel like I got to let it go now. I do think that Kyle Shanahan has miscalculated this whole thing with Trey Lance. And what I mean by that is, He miscalculated being able to develop a guy who was so raw and needed playing time while being on a win now roster. If you draft from three, your team is not good. This wasn't a bad team. They moved to three. And then when you put him on a timeline of, we need you to develop, but we need you to lead us to wins, it puts him in a weird spot. I don't really like that. And as far as evaluating the quarterback, I think right now they're realizing that they misevaluated trey lance in certain aspects right when you hear kyle shanahan i believe there was a clip out there talking about well i only use guys to their strengths if a guy can't hit the outside then we're gonna run him you know more qb power all that stuff doesn't it sound like that he's talking about trey lance right there but it sounds like you thought he could based on what he did at ndsu and now you're realizing that he can't because ndsu And Tim Kawakami says that Lance disappointed the 49ers athletically. I think that, I mean, based on what he's saying, that kind of lines up with what I'm thinking here at this point. Mm -hmm. It just, there's a miscalculation across the board here, right? And Brock Purdy has kind of saved the 49ers from this discussion because if there was no Brock Purdy and Trey Lance isn't developing as quickly because this is a win-now roster, then he's got to take a lot of heat, Kasha, and you know I love Coach. But I do think that he miscalculated it. It's a bit of, I don't want to say arrogance, probably overly confident that he could keep a win now roster and develop a kid on the fly. I I just feel like right now I feel bad for Trey Lance. I do. I don't think that he's been put in a position where he's been allowed to grow, where he can grow, where he can grow on his own timeline. Everything has to be done now for Trey Lance. Like he's got now. Now this is a make or break offseason for him. And this is none of his fault none of his fault this is why so many of us wanted trey lance to start immediately you want to kick off the process you want to get it going when trevor lawrence gets drafted by the jacksonville jaguars they don't say well we don't know because they are a poor team so you allow him to take the bumps and bruises then you build around him and now look where they're at i'm not comparing him to trevor lawrence but i'm saying he at least got a chance to develop for me trey lance is still behind the eight ball and now there's this immense pressure around him to develop into what they believed he would be at the third pick and I don't think he's been given a fair opportunity, Steph.
1: Yeah, no, he he definitely has not, and and that's sort of they did miscalculate this from start to finish. Not just like from him being so raw and and thinking they could develop him on the fly, but also the the locker room aspect of it all. Like seeing how you know players were saying they they preferred Jimmy Garoppolo, and and no one actually said that. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think it was it was more so just like reports here and there of like um you know players saying that or thinking that but like that's the reality of it and I don't blame the players right because in their minds they're in a Super Bowl window they they are in a win now mentality and so by bringing Trey Lance into it it was kind of disruptive to that and I don't think Kyle Shanahan in in you know 49ers um really took that into account that it would it would and could be like disruptive to that and so now, now they're seeing it unfold. Unfortunately, like last season or this past season, Trey Lance was going to get the opportunity to start, you know, and then that kind of got derailed by the injury. So in that regard, and then, you know, John Lynch saying Trey Lance has to prove he could stay healthy. Like those things are true. You know, he was going to get the opportunity. He was the starter at the beginning of the season. Um, unfortunate events, you know, now he, he's not, uh now Brock Purdy came into the picture and it's like, oh, well, now we got this other guy who who looks great and can win now. And so it's kind of like the same situation all over again mm-hmm. with just another guy. Yeah. And and so, it, yeah, it, it is unfortunate for Trey Lance. But like I said, it's like, it doesn't sound like he's feeling sorry for himself, which he has every reason to, honestly. But as long as he has the mindset that I can go win this right now and, and he can go out and do it, then... You know, I, I still feel like he has that opportunity. And so he, he just has to take that opportunity at this point. He he can't think about, you know, how he's been done these past few years and, and think how shady it was. It's like, just got to go out and play.
0: And let's be clear. That's the thing that we can set our watch to with Trey Lance. He's going to say the right thing. He's going to carry himself in the right way. The kid is wise beyond his time, right? Like, he looks like he's been here before. I don't think that's ever been really an issue. My thing is, it's just, again, there was just – you can't develop a quarterback properly especially one as raw as Trey Lance somebody who needs reps who needed game speed game reps and think that you can placate a you know this win now roster and like again like think about guys that are at the twilight of their career Trent Williams is already talking about retiring Trent Williams doesn't have time to sit around while he's trying to chase a Super Bowl trying to figure out what Trey Lance is so again it, it it's not about the kid I love his makeup I love it I believe in his talent I believe that the kid can be you know, as good as we all hope he would be. But I do think that it's it's strange how they handled this, and I don't think he was given a fair chance. And Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy, after eight games, kind of got the 49ers off the hook. But the problem is now, Steph, with this injury, and what we don't know about Brock Purdy is, now we're going into another offseason with the same questions as last year. Can the kid develop? Will he take jumps? And I think that's the most frustrating part for 49ers fans, is that this, again, It's Groundhog's Day in in this offseason. Like, again, you're sitting here with the same questions about Trey Lance. And it's not Trey Lance's fault. He was injured. But, again, a win-now roster. You know, like, right now, um, I I believe the, the 49ers have the third best odds to win the Super Bowl. And we don't even know who the quarterback is. If, for all we know, it could be Josh Johnson again in Week One, right? Like God, God help us all, right? But that's how that's how you know Vegas is viewing this team, this roster. And and there's still going to be people leaving this team. I don't think Jimmy Ward's going to come back. Mike McGlinchey might leave, which we'll probably talk about in a bit. There's going to be people that leave this team, but yet everyone still has this confidence because of the coaching staff, because of the roster, and yet we still don't know who the quarterback is. So uh, just buckle up because this is going to be a a long off season my goodness and here we are again talking about the same things over and over again so Steph let's talk about the combine uh which is now if I'm not mistaken the 28th is when everybody actually reports which is a Tuesday and that goes on until the 5th um you know is Kyle Shanahan gonna be there you know he never really goes never really goes to these things it was John Lynch last year that was there Adam Peters I believe was around um what what do we do here like with this combine because right now the 49ers don't have a pick in the 3rd round. They've got all their comp picks and everything as well too. What's the 49ers plan here and what you know they you know they're going to be asked questions about Trey Lance. I mean, I'm going to ask a question for sure about Trey Lance. I'm going to make sure I hammer it home. I'm sorry. I got I got to know myself, but uh but yeah, what 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 do we do here now at this point? The only thing that's a little bit different from last year with this this situation is Jimmy Garoppolo's not under contract at this point. So, that's the only thing I could say that's different, but it feels similar to last year.
1: Yeah, it does. And for one, I, I don't have an issue with Kyle Shanahan not going to the combine, like, what do they do? Just get measured, do do their little thing. You get those numbers afterwards anyway. I don't think seeing the players up close changes any of that. You trust your scouting department. You trust, I mean, Sean Lynch usually goes, right? So you trust his eyes and, and all that. So that doesn't bother me. Um, but yeah, they're going to get some of the same questions and you know, that's unfortunate. I've, I've already seen people, uh, saying that they're going to get a quarterback, uh, in this draft, they're going to draft another one, which they very well could, right? Like they can do another seventh round pick on a quarterback, but I've seen people like saying, they're going to take Jake they They're, they're going to take hooker, you Andrew know, <laughs> like in the, in the third round or something like that. I'm like, Oh, okay. I don't know about that, but um i i do think they go the free agent route and if that's the case there's going to be a lot of questions about that you know at the combine i know there's a lot of talk that goes around and and a lot of rumors that swirl and and most of it you know is has some truth to it right so i think we're going to find out a lot of things as to where their heads are at um you know during that week and hopefully their heads in the right place. That's, that's all I can say, but I, I you know, I think it's more likely that, yeah, we'll, we'll just get like a veteran um, quarterback and, you know, see what happens there. But, you know, some of the biggest needs that I think the 49ers are going to have to draft is uh secondary, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think uh, they'll, they'll be looking at corners and safeties um, both for depth and potentially starters, right. If they can't bring E-man back, uh, they'll be looking at a starter. Well, started to compete potentially with uh lenore because i thought lenore did a, a fine job in the playoffs mm-hmm. um but also secondary or safety you know you need depth you need a guy who may be able to compete for the starting job if Deshaun gibson is gone so all that being said um we also got to take into account the 49ers got a new defensive coordinator mm-hmm. like how does how does that change things secondary like, guy does, does yeah. And does he want Sean Gibson back? Does Sean Gibson want to come back knowing that they play a lot of, uh, you know, single high, you know, that that could change some things for his decision making, maybe or, or maybe they they go with someone younger. I I, I don't know. I, I'm just thinking that that could play a, a part in so, how some of these free agency moves go. Um, and also the draft. So it'll be interesting to see. But I feel like their, their draft philosophy hasn't changed much from defensive coordinator to defensive coordinator. It's kind of been the, it's kind of been the same, but also they'll be looking at offensive linemen, um, you know, have to look for right tackle. You might not find a day one Mm -hmm. starter for right tackle, especially because you don't have an early pick, but still you gotta, you gotta go looking for one. And then also interior defensive line as well. I think is, you know, they have to find someone there,
0: you know. The Brock Purdy thing is so interesting because this league is so copycat that now everyone is saying, "Well, this could be the Brock Purdy of the draft." Oh my god. And this this is so much. Right. And this is what's funny about it stuff is just because something worked once for one team doesn't mean that now you need to revamp your strategy. And I think that that is a really really easy way to find yourself missing on value doing things the wrong way. Because one team got it right and did it right, right? I think we can all say Brock Purdy's the exception and not the rule in terms of drafting quarterbacks in the seventh round and then just saying, well, he could be the guy. Not typical. Not typical, right? So, I mean, it it should be fine. You know, like, again, there, there may be some value out there now if other teams are looking at that. But that Jake Hainer thing is like, oh, well, he's the Brock guy. I think what they mean by that is his skill set is similar, and he could be a guy who is taken a little bit later who can end up being a starter. But if teams are just going to sit out there, and this includes the 49ers. I, I'm, I'm also talking to you, John Lynch, um, Adam Peters, Kyle Shanahan. I know you listen to the podcast. If you think that you're going to be able to hit that again, think again. That's not typical. And, you know, what you have in Trey Lance, and everyone always wants to compare him to Josh Allen because, oh, well, they played similar division and everything. What you need is a Jalen Hurts-like jump in which nobody believed that Jalen Hurts could improve to the fashion that he did. I think Jalen Hurts is a better runner. Um, I don't think that's really up for debate. I'm not trying to say that he needs to be Jalen Hurts. You need a jump like that. That's the jump you need. Like something from where people are like, this is it, we can't take any more chances on you to, okay, look at him go now and you've got to give him the bag. So there's a lot to, to figure out with this quarterback situation. I just think that the whole you know, hey, the 49ers got it right with the last pick. Maybe we should try something like that and just start drafting quarterbacks in the last round. Go for it. Uh, And and you'll see how that works out for you. And I just hope the 49ers are not resting on that Laurel as well either. So speaking of the needs that you said, right? Steve Wilkes is a secondary guy. Um, It does depend on, you know, what it is guys want to do. Tashaun Gibson's only 31 years old. I didn't realize that until I started looking up Jimmy Ward's profile, who's actually 31 as well. So here's the thing. So Sean Gibson made $1.6 million for a year at free safety. The going rate, it sounds like, market value for a guy like Jimmy Ward at free safety is about $7.7 million, according to Track. And that's a steep difference, right? So I don't think that the 49ers are not prioritizing the player. They're just realizing that they can get production out of a guy from far less, right? But now it's going to come up to Gibson. It's up to Gibson now to figure out, does he want to stay, right? Um, I do think in free agency, there's some places that the 49ers can improve, but again, this is all going to boil down to how they crunch the numbers, who stays, who goes, right? So let's just throw this out there stuff. Mike McGlinchey leaves because he gets top dollar being the, the top right tackle out there, right? Someone's going to pay Mike McGlinchey, whether it's the 49ers or someone else. He is not going to be unemployed going into next year. Then Jimmy Ward, I think he follows D'Amico Ryans. I think of Aziz Alshair, I think he follows D'Amico Ryans. Um, Marcelino McCrary, brought, uh, ball was signed to kind of be the new Aziz um, in that way. And I think that's a, a fantastic move. Um, the kid is very fast. You can tell on the film. And uh, when he does get his opportunities, he looks good. But in terms of free agency, there's two players that I think the 49ers really need to target. One is not as feasible as the other because one is a blue chip player who's very young and he's going to get a lot of money. But I would love Deron Payne. I mean, from Washington. I mean, he's yeah. 26 years old. I mean, he's going to get a bag. But at this point, look, Javon Kinlaw, I, I want you to do well. It's hard to evaluate you when you're not on the field. And we're going into year four now. It's hard to figure out what you are. And when you down the stretch when Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa wasn't fading. It just looked like a guy who had given his all at the end of the year, right? Like he And, you know, that, that NFC Championship yeah. game, he caught a, a cleat to the leg and was bleeding. But you need more from your interior defensive line. Deron Payne's a stud, and that's a guy that's going to be around for a while. He's going to command a paycheck. I get that. And he deserves it because of his age and his play. But that's one. Zach Allen from the Arizona Cardinals is the other for me, um, defensive end. For me, the 49ers need somebody to replace Samson Ebukam, who who actually did very well this year. Um, But I think he's going to get paid as well. Zach Allen feels like the perfect low floor, high ceiling signing that Chris Kasuri can get the most out of where he's great running. He's great against run defense, but he did generate 33 pressures on his own. So that is somebody who's not exactly like a flashy name, not exactly somebody who will command a bunch of money. But I have a belief in Chris Kosarek now that he's staying, that they will be able to get a ton from him, similar to the way that they kind of banked on Samson uh, to kind of pay dividends, which he did. He he played 681 snaps back-to-back years. That's a, that's a real stat, actually. 681 back-to-back exact number of snaps back-to-back years. But, yeah, I do wow. think it's Zach Allen. And you know what, man? Make a splashy move. Go get Deron Payne, man. I mean, if, if you can do that and you can bring him in, think about how big this defensive line would be.
1: So would you would you rather, you know, throw a bag at the defensive line or the offensive line? Because as we know, like we were just talking about, well, Mike McGlinchey, he's going to get a bag. We know that, you know, the 49ers like him. Why wouldn't they pay Mike McGlinchey but then go pay Deron Payne? Like who – Who do you think is the 49ers better value or who would you spend more money on?
0: Who would I? I would probably go get an offensive lineman. But when you look out there, the offensive lineman, the pickings are slim, right? Like there's not not direct, I know for a fact, are going to be better than Mike McGlinchey players out there. If you want to bet on someone taking a jump, if you want to bet on a rookie, fine. That's not guaranteed. I'm a very much like set your watch to what I know. So there's no clear upgrade to Mike McGlinchey. If I know the way that this team roster builds, they're just going to promote somebody from inside. Whether that's Colton McKivitz, Burford, um, Nick Sakell feels like he's going to replace Jake Brendel. Jake Brendel's probably going to go walk this year as well, too. The way the 49ers do business with their offensive line is, do they fit the scheme? How much are we paying? Plug and play. Can they help? and we're just going to get by and hope for the best. That's the way that they kind of do the offensive line. Trent Williams they traded for. I get that. And they paid him. He's the best in the world, though. Other than that, they either try to draft guys, sit them down, get them ready for next year, or they try and grab guys that, you know, they feel fit, Daniel Brunskill, Jake Brendel, you know, those guys, and try, and try to plug up holes that way. I, I just don't think that they're going to invest in offensive line.
1: And that kind of pissed me off because I, I feel like the 49ers could have, like, and, and they do, like, they, okay, last season, what, they had three new starters on the offensive line, and that worked out well for them. Who would have thought, you know what I mean? So maybe they're probably like, we can do this all day. We, we've we been able to, you know, have guys come in internally all the time, and it works out great for us, so we're just going to keep doing it. So I don't know if it's more of that. Um, but I, I would like to see them spend money on, I know they got Trent, but they need, it would be great if they spent, money on someone else on the offensive line because we we saw the chiefs and the eagles invest into their offensive lines and both of them played in the super bowl so um i i think that goes a long way having a strong offensive line and especially if you have a quarterback young quarterbacks like i feel like that goes a long way um as well so whether it's lance or, or purdy i think it would be beneficial to this team also you like to run the football so Upgrade your offensive line if you can. But also, you know, you're talking about keeping the sure thing. Why not just pay money to, to keep the sure thing, right? So I know they won't, but I I would like to see them prioritize the offensive line and not just kind of hope for the best, you know what I mean?
0: Right, and and you have to think of the patterns with the 49ers, right? Lincoln Tomlinson was up to get paid, and they had Aaron Banks waiting, mm-hmm. and they just went with Aaron Banks, Um, you know, that, that's kind of their M.O. They're going to keep drafting guys. They're going to keep drafting them whether yeah. they play or not. The same thing, Zakel, right? I can get a year out of Jake Brendel. I'm going back to Zakel right after, you know, like that type of thing. So it just, it feels like it's their M.O. Will they change? I doubt it. But yeah, I mean, I think that no matter who the quarterback is this year, no matter who it is, whether it's Trey Lance, Brock Purdy, Andy Dalton, Jacoby Brissett, Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know. Right. Jimmy Garoppolo, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson. Let's just get crazy. Let's get all these guys in there. You're going to need a defense and you're going to need that defense to be um, very much up front, as stout as they are. Usually, right? Like, And you need a little bit more now because we don't know what the secondary is going to be at this point. Does Emmanuel Mosley come back? You know, the the idea of getting Mosley back is that you can kick Lenore back into the slot. Okay, now you're hoping for jumps from other guys in the secondary as well, too. So for me, I think if you want to get back to basics, right? And I understand Steve Wilkes is very much a, a secondary guy. I, I think you just got to start building in the trenches again. And I think that they're going to do that with defensive line. They'll probably just address the offensive line in the draft at this point.
1: Yeah, but, um, I, I would love it if, if they signed Dron Payne, I just don't know if they do it because I I know Dron Payne is going to cost a lot of money. There's other options out there though. I mean, you mentioned Zach Allen as, as someone, um, I don't know. I feel like Zach Allen is one of the top options. I don't quite think he's one of the like sleepers that Chris Kosterick could turn around. I feel like he's already at a pretty high tier. Um, but some other guys, like Mike, Iodon- Matt Iodinas from uh, the Panthers this past season, I mean, he he's familiar with Steve Wilkes. Maybe that's someone he, he can bring in. I mean, that's that's the benefit of having a defensive coordinator who has made the rounds in the NFL, you know, who who has experience elsewhere because there's a lot of players that he's worked with before that he can, you know, somewhat help recruit, very well-respected guy. Um, so the 49ers on the defensive side of the ball will have that going for them, so that's good. Um, also like I, I threw it out there on the timeline, like Puna Ford, I, I kind of like as a, as a defensive tackle for this team. So, um, you know, cause the 49ers always go for like those lower tier guys and then just have them ball out in their system. And he's, he showed pretty well with the Seahawks as well. So, um, but the, the options will be out there for them. So it's exciting. It, it's always exciting this time of the year when they, when they bring a guy, you're like, who? And then you start looking into them and you're like oh he's a beast he's about to be a beast that's with why uh, chris kosarik so <laughs> yeah so um yeah i'm excited it's a it's a exciting time of the year maybe they yeah. won't go all out on offensive line but at least defensive line will will have that
0: yeah and speaking of recruiting you know this is a perfect time for steve books to bring josh norman back okay that's a show uh for this one uh no steph <laughs> uh, 40 minutes in is probably a perfect time to stop right now hey steph um Thank you so much. It's good to see you again. Make sure you follow Steph at Steph49K. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at JasonAponte2103. Make sure that you are subscribed to the Niners Nation Podcast Network and the Gold Standard Podcast Network wherever you get your audio podcasts. Leave that five-star review so we can read it on here. Uh, Steph, it's going to be a long offseason. Time to gotta hunker down a little bit here.
1: It's just getting started. We're going to talk about these same topics that we talked about today, but just like a little different every week, you know? It's going to be fun.
0: Yeah. I'm excited. For Steph and for Jay, we're out of here. Peace.